What's up, everybody? What's up, Bill? How you doing, man? I'm doing okay, man. I got a little cold. Uh, That's not coronavirus. I hope not. You know, people, they say the sale of Corona beer is down like 30% because idiots think it's somehow connected to the virus. Yeah, I know, man. Isn't I'm that a, crazy, man? I'm buying it right now. I got I, six cases. I, in I'm a, drinking it up. 30, I got a half price on Corona beer. I got them in the, in the, in the garage right now, six cases. <laughs> so we're here, man. We're in Tribeca, uh, the new home of Police Off the Cuff. We have a phenomenal guest today. I'm very, very excited. We're not going to leave him sitting around. What's up, Rick Martinez? Hey, good morning. A legend. What's up? Another one. To meet that, you, man. Thanks you know for who, me. You know who referred him to me? Who? Monty. Oh, yeah, Monty. Yeah, yeah. Monty said, hey, my friend. So my brother so. Monty. Yeah, yeah man. man. What's up, Monty? How are you? I hope you're doing well, man. Um, yeah, we got to get Monty to record the song again, so this way we have it officially on... Uh, that's right. He has the 4-4 pre... Ode to the 4-4 precinct. Four, four, four. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, yeah. How's it sound to you? Does it sound all right? It sound, it's no, really we good. went back to the headphones, so it sounds a little weird again. But um, the reason why I have you here, Rick, is because you were part of uh, uh, one of the most in incredible police stories that happened in the 80s, something that really characterized New York City, showed the racial divide here in the city. It also encompasses um, the crack epidemic, um, what it was like between uh, the uh, police, uh, tension between the police and uh, minority communities here in New York City. All this... All this was in all in one pot. It was all playing, and then it exploded yep. on that on that night in the what was it November? November nineteenth. November nineteenth, nineteen eighty six. The day they went after and tried to get Larry Davis, who um, was a Bronx resident. He was, uh, I think, he was like twenty years old at the time. Yep. He was a local DJ, very popular in the neighborhood. Came from a big family. He also worked on motorcycles. Uh, very handy. He could play a lot of different instruments. Play guns. <laughs> well, before you get to that, you know, the guy actually had a reputation in the neighborhood as being one of the, he was involved in the beginning of hip hop. And he was, you know, he had record studios all around there in the Bronx. Who knows how they was paying for this kind of stuff. But he was popular. He had, I think, three brothers who were already in prison. Yep. He had a couple of sisters in the neighborhood. His mother was still alive. And um, he was big, intimidating figure. You know, but big chest. It looked like he lifted a lot of weights. He might, but he was probably just a genetic freak. Everybody knew him in the neighborhood, yeah. and um, and uh, so he got. Before we get into that part of it, let's go back to how you got involved with, on that night, that fatal night, on November nineteenth. You were uh, obviously a cop, you were, but you were an emergency service unit. I was, I was. Um, and, and before I answer, let me just say how uh, great it is for me to be sitting here with you guys. Um, judging by some of the guys you've had and gals you've had sitting in the seat before me, it's, it's an honor that I've been invited, so thank you. Uh, not quite thank sure you, how no, I feel no, sandwiched you, between you two. This listen. is like Cooper's town. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm the one that, uh, that's honored, man. We're both the, honored to have you, you guys. To even have the people that were involved in these stories to, to actually be able to pick their brain and find out exactly... Well, how they felt in that moment is, is just fascinating. And we don't have to buy him any drinks. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we're doing it right here. <laughs> just a water. Right, just done. a water. Yeah, no. So uh, before we started the show, even though we try not to chit-chat too much because we don't want to waste it for the air, Bill asked you how much time did you have on the job, and you said when this incident took place, you said four years? Four years, and I had just gotten into ESU. I think I was in only three or four months. Wow. So baptism by fire, for sure. 
Wow. That's pretty fast to get into ESU for you. Yeah. That's amazing. Who was your hook? <laughs> Who was your rabbi? Funny you should say that. Funny you should say because my story is not uh, is not typical. It's not unique. Uh, I know there are many in my similar cir circumstances, but it, it's not typical. Born and raised South Bronx, uh, straight out of the projects where you grew up and having to make certain choices. And my choice in life was I, I've known very early on. So about four or five years old when I grew up, I was going to be a New York City cop. Oh no shit! That's and great. not just a New York City cop, an emergency service cop. What was it that attracted Hold you Mark, to... Um, Mark, I have to say the limerick right now. It's important, all right? Yeah. When the public needs help, they call the police. When the police need help, they call ESU. So what was it about the emergency service? Was it the show SWAT? That was part of it, yeah. Absolutely. For those uh, our younger audience, yeah. there was a TV show on, on a... Um, I forget what channel it was, probably NBC. It was called SWAT. Yeah, yeah. Sp uh, special Weapons and, tactics. and Tactics. And it was uh, about the SWAT team in Los Angeles. California, yeah. But RESU guys get pissed when they're called SWAT. I don't know they're why. It's such, such a much better name. <laughs> It really is. SWAT is a much cooler name than ESU, Emergency Service. Yeah, it just doesn't sound like it. has all that California shit. Who cares, man? It sounds cool, man. You know? Anybody who sees the ESU guy, they always tell you, aren't you? Hey, you guys SWAT, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's all. There, there it goes. It's a better yeah, name. Just yeah, change yeah. it to SWAT. It's so <laughs> annoying, ESU. But anyway, SWAT was a cool show you had. I used to watch. It was one of my favorite shows. You had TJ. You had Luca. I always used to have to play Luca because Luca was black. <laughs> and in my neighborhood, I was half Dominican, which was the closest to being black. So everybody else was white. It so was you were Greek or Italian. So I had to always play Luca because I was the closest, because I was Dominican. <laughs> but uh, you had TJ, um, Luca. T who was the sniper, man? I always wanted TJ to. TJ was a sniper. All right, TJ. Okay, yeah. I always wanted yeah. to be TJ. But so. Uh, you had this fascination. What was it? Was it the, the guns, the helmets, the trucks that they drove? Or all of the all, all of the above. All of the above. Um, in the projects, the South Bronx. We kept uh -huh. them busy. Uh -huh. We kept them busy, and that truck was in our neighborhood quite a bit. And I saw what they did, and, and I wanted to do that. And growing up in the area that I did, um, I saw things that really no no four five year old should have to see. Oh good. And uh, but nothing affected me more than uh, to see my parents, who were my heart and soul. To come home beat up, bloody, wow. you know, my dad for the few bucks he had in his wallet, my mom for her What do you mean, getting robbed? Getting robbed, yeah. Yeah, my grandfather got robbed once. I remember when he came home, that was, uh, I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that enough, and not only with my parents, but with just, you know, just local innocent folks. What are you, Puerto Rican? From, I am. And your parents came here? You're, uh, came from Puerto Rico, looking uh -huh. to make a better life for them, for their three kids, my brother Jim and sister Yvonne, and uh, yeah, they did a great job with us. But yeah, you look good with them. So um, at a young age, and then uh, were you going through high school? Were you did you um, did you put on the, the cape and, and the helmet and go out there and try to fight crime? What did you do? You know, funny you say about high school. I went to a private Catholic high school, Hollows in the Bronx. Yeah. And uh, one day the teacher comes in and he says, uh, "Gentlemen, I, it was an all male school. Uh, it's the only reason I passed. Gentlemen, uh, we have a guest speaker today. Uh, a good friend of mine, Sergeant Bill Manos, may rest in peace, uh, is here to talk to you guys. Wow. And I got excited because right? it was emergency service. Oh, wow. So we go run outside, and the big truck is out there. Oh, well, man. Guys jump out of the back. They start breaking out the guns. And oh, yes. I was a sophomore, junior in high school. Oh, you had a chubby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's running around like this. Yeah. But um, it turns out that just, what, five Maybe just six years later, I'm driving that sergeant oh, wow. in that truck. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah, Bronx yeah. boy makes good. Drives yeah, yeah, the yeah. big ESU truck. Yeah, yeah. 
What truck was that? Three. Truck three. Truck three. Bronx. Yeah. So uh, did you did you take the test right after high school? Is that what you did? I did. The police test? I did. Um, I, I'm, I'm probably going to hear it for this, but I, I was studying for that test since I was about six, seven years old. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was watching every cop show, reading every cop You know, I book. hate to tell you this, but you could have probably passed that test at six or seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't really have to study that much. <laughs> test is pretty easy yeah. to tell you the truth. <laughs> I hate to let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Um, I found that out. I found that out later. <laughs> so I took it, I aced it, and yeah, when I was 20, I was sworn into the academy. It was great. 20 years old, huh? Proudest wow. moment of my life. That's unbelievable. Now, usually when you come on at 20, they pull you out in the middle of the academy to make you go buy beer. Did they make you do that? No, no not those days. You got lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were going into the police, you were at the police academy, you're 20 years old. Was it everything that you thought it was going to be? I mean, you must have been really excited. It, it was, it was. Um, there were aspects of the academy that uh, I found a little surprising. Like what? Um, Showering with all the other guys? Jim, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know about you, fun. but I love that. Huh? Wasn't that fun, oh, right? And, and can I tell you? Showering with all the men's? We were, and I think still are, record holders of the largest class to go through the academy. Uh -huh. What year was that? 82. Oh, yeah. I had 3,000. Yeah, 3,000. Yeah. Really? Well, we were like 28-something. Yeah. We were like 34, 3,500, yeah, something like that. So, yeah, we were packed. Did they, you guys tight. go 24-7 or yeah, what? Yeah, three Yeah, we did that, wow. too. Not 24-7, but we went... Oh, you didn't do a midnight tour. No. When you went. no I'm sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. 4 to 12, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because so, if uh, they did midnights, all those academy little, you know, yeah. softies would go yeah. bitching. I would have bailed out. Quit, right? Today, yes. Oh, forget Today, about yes. it, man. Yeah. You know, maybe back then the instructors at the academy were a little harder than they so are today, So what were you right? saying about the other things that didn't... Um, that you didn't anticipate? What, what was it again that you just said? Uh, yeah, um, Social sciences and and the you know how to relate to people and the psychology behind it because like it's not stuff? what I saw on the street. Oh, you didn't see what? No, no. you didn't see the, what they were teaching you in the academy. You didn't see the way the cops acting exactly. like that in the street. Exactly, it's how they wanted you to yeah, yeah, perform yeah. and behave. Well, they used but. to talk about transactional analysis, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was social science. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. it used to be like as soon as you got out of the academy and you came to your first command, they said, "Hey, kid, whatever you learned in the police command, forget, forget, forget about it. Exactly. it. Right. Yeah, this exactly is the way you're right. going to do it from now on." Exactly right. They don't, they don't do that anymore. I don't think uh, they don't want you to. They don't. They're not trying to change your. Man, this, want you to stay you must have way. been like a baby though, man. Twenty years yeah, old. Holy yeah, yeah, shit! Yeah, yeah and that's the first thing young. my FTO told me when I got into NSU out of the academy was, yeah. "Whatever they taught you, forget it." Uh huh. It's all bullshit. Yeah. So you like you're taking this social science thing, but you're smart enough to take it with a great grain of salt, because right. right. you already know you've seen firsthand knowledge, especially somebody, you know, that's interested in police work. You know, there's two type of people in in those neighborhoods. Sometimes the person that's watching it because they're in awe, like wow, and there's a person like watching it just to like, okay, that's the police car. Uh, I know that plate number. So then this way they know everything right. about police, right. but so they could use it to their advantage yep. on the other end. Right. And um, I would imagine you must have been pretty straight-laced as a teenager, though, right? Because you obviously had this goal in mind. I, I had to be because I knew that if I messed up, got in trouble, one, I would get in trouble with my parents, and two, I'd ruin my chances of getting on job. So I had to yeah. stay straight. All my asshole friends running around the block were, you know, their, time, their idea of having a good time was uh, snatching bags and breaking into cars. Uh -huh. I, I didn't want to do that because, you know, I knew When you say snatching time. bags, you're talking about purses? Purse snatching. So there was yeah. a lot of, you had, you, the neighborhood kids were doing robbers, That's, basically. That was their thing, yeah, yeah. And did you play a lot of sports and stuff? Uh, baseball. Yeah, baseball, you look yeah. like a baseball player. Yeah, not really a big athlete guy, but yeah. baseball. Yeah. So you get into the academy now, mm -hmm. and um, 
You know, I already told you my favorite part was the shower room. And what was? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have to do this? Like we, we go to the three thousand people. There's a bunch of people waiting in line to yeah. take a shower. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Remember how crazy that was? And then you you wouldn't bring your towel to, um, you know, to the to the shit because then you were just basically throwing it on the side That's before right. you went in, and then anybody on the way out, you're just picking up a towel. You don't know whether it's yours. He's fixated on. The I shower. think so. He's, he's a little bit. It's making me a little nervous right now. I, and I've done. I've done I just used to hang out. I used to take the corner one. I was the first one in, the last one out. You know, some of this is our 70th episode. I used to go like this bring coming out now. I used to just wave it. I used to let everybody know when the next guy could come in. Bring him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then also the food, too. Like, right now, you go to the police academy in, in College Point. They have uh, a dining hall downstairs. They have uh, catered. You know, you could, you could get sandwiches. You could get salads. Yeah, hot food. But back then, in the, on Twenty First Street over there, you used to have to walk around the neighborhood. You know, young, yeah. You had an yeah. hour to eat, yeah. right? Grab something and be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we talked about those legendary meatball heroes at the range. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. So uh, when you graduated, what was your first command? Four four. Whoa. You went right to the four right four, to the huh? Four, four. Back in the Bronx. Is that was that home. a request? I was back. Uh, did you hope to go somewhere else? I did. No, I wanted the four four. You I did? wanted the four four, wow. and I wanted it bad. Yeah. But why? I'd, I'd seen, again, growing up in the neighborhood, I'd seen how the, uh, the cops were there. I'd seen the response. You know, if one guy got assigned to something simple, four or five cars would immediately converge uh, right on. And, and I liked that. And, um, you know, they had, they had a reputation. And, and I think the year that I got into the 4-4, I think we beat out the 7-5 in every major category Most murders, in yeah. the city, in everything. You yeah. guys used to have that shirt with all the crime stats, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they were busy, but they were... They were it was a family. The four four was a family. Still is. Still yeah, is. I think that the busier the place, the closer the cops are. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So you get into you get assigned the four four. You're very very happy right now. Do you I go out and you, you start making a lot of collars right away, or you, you're well, easing your way in? No, I, I went nuts right away. I had a distinct advantage over my fellow officers, especially those from upstate and from Long Island. You knew the neighborhood. I I knew who the bad guys were. I knew where they were. I uh -huh. knew how they operated. Right. So as soon as they gave me a gun and a, a car and a partner, pff, I went crazy locking everybody up. Uh -huh. <laughs> did you, at what point did you meet Monty? Monty came in, uh, I believe, a year later. Wow. And, uh, did he get, give you the whole, that Marine Corps shit? Like, yeah, he did. Yeah, he's great. He was <laughs> did, um, did, when you went to lock up the people that were that basically like in your neighborhood, they were like, yo, Rick, bro, Ricardo, what's up? What's up, oh, Rick, what's up? <laughs> yo, chill, what yeah. happened? Yo, look, Ricardo's a cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, you know me, Ricardo. Yo, what's up, bro? We went to high school. To yo, for real, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, Could exactly. you at least loosen up those cuffs? <laughs> yo, Ricardo, man, come on, bro. Remember second grade? <laughs> Another radio car would have four or five guys up against the wall, and we'd pull up as backup. And the guys would turn and see me. Oh, yo, we're good, we're good. It's Rick. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, I don't uh, think so. so um, but then they, I'm trying to think. Like, weren't you a little bit nervous of that, though? No, no. That someone that would come back and bite you in the ass. Maybe some really bad guy from the neighborhood. If you. No, no, no. Because they uh, knew who you were. They knew where you lived. They knew who your family was. No, we were out of there by then. Okay, good. Right did you move move way up north? Yeah, we did. You oh, took wow. that little thirty thousand dollars salary and moved them all upstate, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. No, we were out by then, so I wasn't too concerned about that. Yeah. So you moved? What, is that what you did? You moved upstate? Yeah. All right. So now the four four is all yours, man. It is. You go nuts. Right? It is. Get the family out. And I was I was very active and had the best boss, um, Sergeant Jack uh, Moriarty, Smiling Jack, um, and he basically greenlighted me. 
you got to go do what you do. Uh-huh. And I just went nuts. That's great. Nuts. How many uh, Latinos were on the job back then? Uh, you know what? The they job were, is heavy with it now. Yeah, yeah there, there were some. There were some. Not, not as many as I suppose today, but there were yeah, a few of us. It's a weird job because, you know, like you, you come from all these different neighborhoods and you, you wind up working together. And I do a joke in my act about how to spot the undercovers. If you see a black dude, a white dude, an Asian dude, and a lesbian driving around in a minivan, they're probably <laughs> undercover cops. <laughs> exactly. Four people that would never be together exactly. in exactly. any other situation in life. But now you're here, you're from the Bronx, and uh, I'm sure you got to start all of a sudden working with white people that you're probably not really that familiar with. A lot of them coming from, uh, you know, upstate, some of them from coming uh, from Long Island, what do they call it? East Cupcake, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although most of the guys that work in the 4 4 from the north, they're from, from north. you know, Rockland yeah, County, yeah. they're from Westchester, way up north. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they don't, yeah. I don't think they get many Long Islanders in the 4 4. I mean, but, how, many, uh, how many Latins were in the 4 4 when you got in there? Uh, Percentage-wise, I'd say maybe 25, 30 percent. Because they're always looking for Latino cops. Anybody speak Spanish? Anybody who speaks Spanish? <laughs> you know, it's Go funny. get mayo. I got. I, I, I was. I was at, not not asked to leave, but it was it was suggested that I not uh, join the Hispanic Society. Why? Because my beliefs, apparently, with the with the leadership at the time, I won't name names now, but uh, the leadership at the time, my beliefs were not in line with theirs. And what was your beliefs? The, well, the sergeant's test was coming up. Uh-huh. So I, I was dead against getting promoted just because my name ended in EZ. Uh-huh. I, you know, if, if you study and I study, right. And we both passed, and we both get promoted. If I didn't pass, then I shouldn't have got promoted. Right. I but agree with was, you 100%. But that's just me I would have still taken the promotion, but <laughs> I, I do agree with you. That's just me personally. So we got I'm into a whole it. thing. We got into a whole thing. And, um, you know, he, he said, made a comment about how he's going to fight the test. I'm like, but the test hasn't even come out yet. He says, yeah, but, you know, historically it's been uh, culturally biased. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. But there's a lot to be said for you never know who got passed up for whatever reason sure, and didn't get sure. promoted because sure of their ethnicity. To that, yeah. And it's a way of almost balancing it out. Like I said, I don't agree with it, but if my name was on the list and I got bumped up a, uh, ahead of a few O'Reilly's, uh, fuck it, man. <laughs> Payback's a you bitch, man. You some free shit, man. I'm taking it, man. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> you got to see. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll make it eventually. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, I understand it. You're that guy, guy O'Reilly lived in the suburbs, man. He got a car on his 18th birthday. So, yeah. fuck Listen, him. This is a, we're sitting next, we're sitting uh, in between us is a man with morals. There you go. Uh, and, uh, on this side go. is the devil, and that's... <laughs> it's, it's, an O'Reilly. O'Reilly. it's O'Reilly. It's O'Reilly. Yeah. It's an angel on the other side. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that's a good thing. You don't want to take the, uh, the promotion for the sergeant's test if you didn't earn it. Right. That's very admirable. But... Um, so let's keep let's keep going forward. Uh, you're you're in the the four four. You're making a lot of collars. You're making a good name for yourself. Uh, how did you wind up getting an ESU and with only four years on the job? Well, like I said, I was I was very active, and uh, my sergeant, um, you know, I quickly caught the eyes of my bosses, my sergeant lieutenant, and I made it known that my goal on the job was to get into merge service. So at about year three, SOD. Opened up. SOD is a Special, Special Operations, Operations Division. Division. Sorry, and they opened up, but you needed five years in emergency to get to even apply for emergency. You needed five years in a command. So I, I, I didn't, but I put in for a SOD, a Special Operations, and I got Highway, Highway Patrol. So um, nothing against Highway. God bless them. We need them, but. I quickly found that it wasn't for me. Yeah, it, it those, just, those high boots, forget about uh, it. Yeah, you know, I'm a Harley guy. I'm a Harley guy, which is why I went. 
Um, but, it, you know, car stops and accident reports was just not my nah. thing. So I, I did that for about a year, and then um, the, the, the call just came. Um, you know, I, even in high school, I remember a stunning figure, though, man, with your height and the, with those, those, I don't know, the baggy pants the, yeah, yeah. and the, the leather jacket. getting back from the shower, now you're getting into the highway <laughs> uniform. I'm going to go closer to you. I was walking, <laughs> I was walking side, by, side by side with uh, a guy, uh, a mounted guy, the other day through the academy, and uh, I was taking in his uniform. You know, there's this slightly different than. Mount, um, highway, but you both share the boots and the, 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 the those pants. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what kind of pants those are. What what happens? I know that they take the the metal thing out oh, of the hat immediately, yeah. so yeah, then it yeah. falls down. Yeah. So that one's an easy one. But how do you get the baggy side pants? And what's that all about? Yeah, they're, why they're, is that necessary? I I don't know. You know, I used yeah, to I always say I used to always say that most guys in highway were Italian. So and I, I I said this the guy was driving me when there was a new sergeant. There was five highway guys standing. There. I go watch this. I go, hey Tony, and every single one of them, <laughs> <laughs> every single one of them looked at me. I go, see, and I quickly found out that highway is not as popular as as precinct guys. I'd be up and hitting up in the bushes, waiting to do my speeds, and the radio cars would pass, and the cops would finger me. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, like, oh, this, this well, is. You know, it's because some funny. highway guys have a some, reputation of some. writing. Cops families. Cops families. Did you so, stay in yeah. the Bronx when you went to Highway? Highway 1 in the Bronx. Okay, so uh, let me ask you a question. Why don't the, the, the Highway guys have to wear leather pants? Because if you go down on the bike, I get the leather top. Highway you know, guys don't the go jacket. Down. They don't, right? We don't go down. Everybody goes down. <laughs> <laughs> we don't go down. Uh, Did yeah, you, but you, I, how was that test? Was that hard to take that, uh, that motorcycle test? Oh, it's one of the, the most, most challenging things. I could never I do that. Yeah, yeah. One of the a lot of people must go down in that training, though, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Well, go better to go there than um, yeah, the yeah, real thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Because it's a heavy bike, man. It's, it, it is. It is. It's, it's got the two things on the side. The saddlebags. Yeah, 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 yeah. What did you put it? Did you have a p- pillow in here and a blanket over here? <laughs> <laughs> what you have? Uh, <laughs> you oh, yeah, I'm so glad I brought that up. Bacardi in the left. I'm glad I brought that up. No, it, it was it was fun. It was for the short time I did it, it was fun, but it just wasn't for me. A year. So you're by you're you're there. How long did it take for you to figure out? Hey, this is cool, but I, I like the leather pants. But I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I was out of there in a year, and um, I was harassing ESU actually along the way to find out. You know, were you guys going. next door to each other? Uh, no, no, no. I I'd call up the office. The okay. office was out in Queens. Okay. So. Uh, you know, and and it just it just happened. I I didn't have any hook. There no cops in my family. Uh-huh. I had plenty of family on the other side, but no <laughs> no cops. So it, it just it just worked out. I wonder if they were looking at you know you mentioned that thing that you didn't want to be promoted because of the, your last name ended in EZ, and they were probably looking at ESU and saying, you know what, we need a freaking Spanish dude here, man. If that happened, I don't know it. But listen, yeah, so wouldn't that be ironic? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I heard the key was walking by and the captain said, Mira, Mira. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was walking you by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, he was f- walking he by. He forgot about that. <laughs> he was walking by and he saw him in those stirrup pants. <laughs> because he, <laughs> and, and, and it's funny, when, when I got the call that I, that I, that I got his shoe, uh, I tell the guy at the roll call who's giving out the assignment, says, I'd like to go to three truck in the Bronx. He's like, no problem. Nobody wants to go to three truck. Oh, sh- wow, that's great. So that Isn't was- uh, truck one is called the Hollywood, Hollywood truck or truck. something, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. everyone's uh, taking pictures of them yeah, all the time. They get all the good profile, so, high profile jobs. Yeah. We had um, Mike Carew. He was uh, you know, in the Mike? SU. 
he was yeah he was like in the har- scuba harbor. diver yeah harbor, a scuba, scuba driver yeah, yeah. he has a little shop in um city L- island city island yeah, yeah. he does a, a scuba dive diving shop. there yeah uh, great, great interview. He real, was an in- real, really interesting, really guy, good man. guy, man. I liked him a lot. Neither one of us have ever been below the water, you know. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, so you get into the. How, tell us about the training. The training was amazing. Uh, it, it was it was like summer camp. It, it was it was so much fun. Did you that. rappel out of a helicopter? Absolutely. Oh man, yeah, I, that's yeah. what I would fail right there, yeah, man. There's uh, no way I'm the heights thing. Oh yeah. Did you have to go up to the top of the Throgsnick Bridge? Brooklyn Bridge. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bridge. Bridge. Oh that's my God. Do you take wow. pictures? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Did you do the sure. dance on the thing like Saturday Night Fever? No. <laughs> Remember? Did they get out of the car? Yeah, no. Did they no, go no. up and they dance? No, we'd, we'd clip into the uh, the cable and had two guide wires that to get all the way to the top of the tower. And, you know, you, you'd slide them up and you'd walk the cable up. Halfway, maybe three quarters up, the thing starts swaying. Oh, man. What do you hold on to? You hold it onto like fun. a stick the way the... Uh, the people that walk on the tightrope hold on to a stick. Is that what you're doing? No, no there's actually the, guide wires. They the guide wires, so if they did fall, it would catch them. It would catch it, yeah. Okay. And it yeah. tied to a, what's called a Morrissey belt around your yeah. waist, and it clips in, and you just... Morrissey's one of those on. guys that did well on the sergeant's test that he was talking about. Oh, he wouldn't okay. mind. <laughs> so we did... So wait a minute. So if you fell, nothing would happen, huh? No, it would catch you. The clip catch would you. catch yeah, that's you. that's bullshit. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys were just... But it must be amazing when you reach the top that you have you and just I'm on the top of the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, when you reach the top of the cable, you have to unhook to climb the ladder. Oh, that's a lot of fun. That's where I withdraw from ESU. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we had a guy one time on the Tribo at 6 o'clock on a Friday night in the summer was up threatening to jump. And the traffic was backed up all the way to the battery, and everyone's going, "Jump, you fuck! Jump, <laughs> <Just> do it, <laughs> I, I, do I, it!" I've actually mentioned that to a few jumpers. I'm like, "Look, you look at all these poor people out there. Fuck them." So, um, tell us about that. You told us about that kind of training, but what kind of, uh, far as firearms training? What kind of firearms training well, are you getting back then? Before you can even get into the interview, you have to go out to our Rodman's and I can do the heavy weapons course because they want to make sure that. Okay, you tell us about it. what the heavy weapons are. Uh, well, at the time, there were the 12 gauge shotgun, the uh, Mini 14 carbine, the. What is the Mini 14? It's uh, 223 uh, wooden. Well, we have, a lot of, we have a lot of audience that's um, it, not law enforcement. Uh, it's a semi automatic rifle. Okay. Um, the, uh, at the time, we had the M5 machine gun, fully automatic capable. Wow. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, in addition to the, the weaponry, also tactics was very important uh, that we trained on. And uh, you had to go through that. You had to go through the psycholo- psychological exam and a medical you pa- and physical. You passed that? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I passed it. And, what uh, was your favorite part of the ESU training? Like, what, does, do, do people have things? I know you got to score, you got to pass everything, but there was something everything. that you excelled at? Uh, I, I enjoyed it all. I, I think we all do. Uh, the helicopter, the, the aviation training Repelling was, was down. What's that? Oh, you got to propel down? You got to repel down. The, yeah, you got to uh-huh. down. And we'd actually go up to uh, Camp Smith, military base out of Peekskill, New York, and we worked uh, with the military up there. But um, they, we'd go up, and they'd bring us the lines to us and to the ship, and they'd take us out. We'd repel out. Uh, sometimes you'd be standing out on the skid, and the pilot would just take you for a little ride through the, oh, the mountains. Oh, you're holding on? While you're holding on. Yeah, yeah, you're standing No, up. no, he's saying, fuck this, I'm just going to balance. <laughs> are, you, are you scared? You're like, yo, yo, put me down, put no, me down. I'm Rick Wallenda. No, uh, no, having too much fun to be scared, it was, it was great. Let me ask something about the training. How, is New York City ESU training better than others, like, say, SWAT units or emergency units across the country, or is it similar? 
not knowing fully well what other departments do in their training. Uh, I can't really answer that. I can say that my personal opinion is yes, uh, based on what I've been through, what mm -hmm. I've seen, and what they're doing today. Absolutely. They should have the ESU games where you guys go against LA SWAT and slap the shit out they, of them. They you know? have that. They have that. And they <laughs> have. And sure. We've sent folks, and we've done really yeah. well. So let me. Uh, so now you're. You. Uh, how long is the training? For you leave your the four four precinct and you go to ESU training. How long are you training? Six months. So you're there six months just training. Right. All right, and then you get out, and they they, they put you to your dream, which is ESU three. The, the, the truck, truck three. Right. And how about the truck? Getting to know the truck. Like, how do you get to know the truck? Like, how long does it take you before you know where everything is on the truck? Wah, wah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those yeah. trucks have a lot of different spaces and, and boxes, and you're yeah. always pulling shit out of there. There's a lot of shit on those trucks. You need a needle and thread? We got it. You need a, what do you got, a hot tea? They got the bagels in the back. <laughs> you need a tire iron? We got that, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I get assigned to the truck, and uh, I go. I introduce myself, and... Um, uh, obviously, one of the youngest guys there. Uh, you know, a few old timers who made it must clear. be bugging out to you though, because you're like, you're, you're, you're 24 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They must have been bugging out. Like, who, yeah. who let this kid in? Yeah, yeah. Right? but but they were good about it. Okay, they were good about it. Um, the the mentality in the ESU was, uh, I won't say different than Highway because each has its own. But um, you know, you you had to you had to be family. You had to uh, depend on each other and work together. You had to. There was no choice. Are you guys yeah. like firemen too in a way? Like, are you making your own hey, meals? Hey, hey. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh, That's where it's up. <laughs> Don't make you waves. You said the F word. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Fire department. We love you guys. We love you guys. No, but I mean, are you cooking your own meals and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Are you allowed to sleep? Can you? No. 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 Are you doing an eight-hour tour still, or the yes. tour is different? Yes, no, it's eight-hour. Do you have to still go out and write a bullshit summons every once in a while to appease somebody somewhere for no we reason? We did, we did, yeah, we still had That's to write the stupid. You ever see ESU too. guys That's writing the summons? Right? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. We waited on midnights to do that, and we waited like towards the last day of the month. To get so ESU is still they're doing a day tour of four to twelve at a midnight. Yep, absolutely. All right, yeah. now we get. But that depends if you if you're assigned to the truck, then you're in, you've, and the truck only gets called out. If it's really that bad. All right, so who are the other guys? If you're assigned to the truck, how many people are assigned to the truck? Assigned to the truck, maybe 30 to 40, but per shift, you're talking six. Two in the Adam car, two in the boy car, and two in the big truck. Okay. So there's guys, uh, there's guys that are in the cars and the guys, the guys that are in the truck. If you're the truck, the truck stays in stays unless in. it's needed. Right. And what are you guys, what are you doing? Polishing the tires and every day with the fucking truck? You're maintaining the equipment. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of maintaining, right? It's a lot of maintaining. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it because I have a call. I'll do the maintaining tonight. <laughs> so you learn your way around the truck, right? And now you finally, you finally get out and you're doing your ESU thing. And how, how did it feel, man, to finally get everything on? You got it. There's, there's no words. I, I, can even, I mean, when you're looking at something when you're five, six years old in your head, and now you're living it, you're actually doing it, how can you even lose right. to that? So, uh -huh. yeah, it was, uh, it was hey, the beats, it beats the shit out of selling insurance, right? It sure does. Yeah, it was fun, man. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's fun. I mean, sure like Bill said, you know, if you, if, you need some, if you need help, you call a cop. If cops need help, they call ESU. Yeah. So now you're working in the ESU, your whole dream's coming true. You're going through a couple of months there, right about the fourth month, man. What happens? Yeah. Tell uh, us how that tour started. So November 19th, 1986, I was the emergency boy car 
with um, Mary Buckley. Uh, Mary was my partner that night. She was... She was a sergeant? No, no, she was my partner okay. that night. Um, not steady partner. We hadn't... Uh, I hadn't had a steady partner yet. I had to work with all the guys and gals before, uh, you know, that happened. But uh, I worked with Mary that night. And Mary was... She's old school. She got hired back in the 70s with, with what I call the real cops. Wow. And, uh, yeah, she was badass. And so it was really, really cool to work with her. How uh, many females in the ESU at the time? At the time, it was, she was it. That was it. She was it. And <laughs> the first... The first, and I think only at the time, female counter sniper, which wow, she must have been real yeah. badass. Yeah, the only female in ESU and a counter sniper. Sniper, man. Wow, she's hot. Yeah, you figured absolutely. it would be a natural at that. Absolutely. Women being snipers, <laughs> <laughs> they know exactly yeah, where to yeah, hit you. Yeah, that's right. They know where to hit you where it hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so um, we, we started. What was tour. your tour? What was your shift that it day? Was a four to twelve. We did a four to twelve. We come in for a four to twelve. Yeah. We get in. We go downstairs. We're checking out the truck, making sure everything is everything. checking out the truck. And yeah, <laughs> already you go right to sleep. <laughs> exactly. Eating some of those ESU burgers. <laughs> and, uh, then we get out and, and we do our thing. What time do you get called for this TAC meeting? I'm sure there's a TAC meeting that's involved. Uh, when did you find out that you're going to have to, you're going to be involved in going after this Larry Davis character? I think the first call came in about 6.30, 6.30 p.m. that night when we found out that uh, they had finally gotten a call from some confidential informant that, that, that ratted him out, basically, that he was at his sister's house. Okay. So the detectives from the 401 squad immediately start putting this plan into action, and they called us. Okay. So being in the boy car, when, you're, when you have an Adam in the boy car, you split the borough, the precincts, in half. And the boy car has all the odd number precincts, the odd cars. So we had the 401, and Mary and I shoot over there. And they're running around and trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. And I said, you know, I... I New guy, so I'm, I'm following Mary and whatever, but I thought we should have a boss there, uh-huh. our ESU boss. So she called him, and he was on his way. <coughs> but they're, they're, they're frantic to, to not lose him. To lose who? Larry, Larry Davis. Davis. Larry, Larry Davis. Davis, because apparently, you know, there have been several... Is there a car sitting in front of the house watching the location just while you guys are getting there together? There was, there was, yeah. All right, but is there, at some point, is there, you guys are all going to convene somewhere at the command and talk about exactly what you're doing? Does that happen? You don't have a TAC meeting? Yes, yes. Uh, right there at the station house. Uh, we, we broke it down as to where he was, uh, how they wanted to do this. Who and this is ESU what? and who else? And Precinct detectives? Squad. Precinct detectives. And, and uh, that's it? Yeah, that's all you need, really. And how many people are there? Uh, because the precinct detectives, you got the catching detective, and maybe there's like four or five other co- detectives working that shift? The detective captain was basically running this one. And so the the borough captain for detectives for detectives, yeah, okay, it was there. And I, I think there were there had to be seven or eight detectives. The detectives, in the room. yeah. You know, uh, I've been in these um, these TAC plans with with ESU and with the squad and stuff. And really, uh, you know, we'll have a schematic maybe of the apartment, and we'll tell them what we think we have in this room. There might be some pit bulls in this room, right. you got whatever, yeah. and we think the purpose in this room. But I was totally willing to just let ESU run the show because you guys got the heavy weapons, yeah. you got the heavy vest, and it's not like TV where the, the detectives go in first. Right. You know, ESU goes in first, yeah. you know, yeah. obviously, which yeah. is intelligent. Now, um, Larry Davis, uh, what was I going to say? Um, did you guys have an idea of what the apartment looked like before? No. 
So you didn't have a layout of the apartment. There was apartment. no schematic of no. the apartment. No. So when we watch these movies and, you know, they're sitting there talking about it, this is a layout, we're going to come in through here and that. You guys don't have any of that. That's, you know which building is it? That, that's the norm. That's But there was a sense of urgency here. Yeah, because uh, he's... Now tell us, for those who don't know about Larry Davis, he was wanted for the murder of four or five drug dealers at this point right now. Yeah. There was a... I don't know. Was it a drug deal gone bad or something? That four four or five drug dealers got killed, right. assassinated, right. and they have a, the police believe that it's Larry Davis right. that did it. Exactly. So now they get a tip. Now the the tip that they had, what I read was that Larry had also robbed somebody the day before of two dollars. He robbed somebody. In this, did you guys hear about that? No, I didn't know that? He robbed somebody for two dollars, and that guy. They got robbed for the two dollars. Recognized somehow that it was Larry Davis who did the killing. <laughs> yeah. what, you well, know he, had al- he had also been uh, he'd been locked up multiple times yeah, by yeah. guys in, in the borough, and there was one incident, and I believe it was the four four where he actually shot at the cops. Oh, okay. So you know he was known as a cop shooter, and that that added to the sense of urgency. So they really wanted to get there. Let me ask you: because of this sense of urgency, you think they didn't take as much time in the planning, maybe as they should have? I mean, you can obviously Monday morning quarterback yeah, like we yeah, all can. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I won't do that. I, you know, perhaps, perhaps we could have taken a little more time, but uh-huh. um, uh, it, it happened the way that it did. So. And how many cops do you remember being there? Because the reports say anywhere from twenty-seven to tw- from twenty to twenty-seven cops Sur- surrounding the building. Yeah, we're oh, involved easily. in this easily. And easily. this apartment was. Uh, t- packed and tiny to say the least it not is. a tiny apartment but maybe there was several rooms to it but um, there's no room for 27 people to be in that house no no not in the house they no were but surra- they were covering they were covering they the were back the was it first the floor apartment place. yes first floor apartment so obviously you're going to cover the back you're going to cover the front but right there at that the doorway right. to me in my head what I'm thinking is there's a juggernaut there's a lot of people at that door, right? No. So you're trying to get in? No. No? No, no. Um, There were alleyways in the back, alleyways on the side. Guys went up to the roof. Guys were on fire escapes. Okay. I mean, they had this building nicely buttoned. All right. Yeah. So now, when we got to the front door, the car that had been sitting there huh? was pointing us, directing us to go in. So seven of us actually entered the apartment. Okay. Yeah. Did you boom the door? You know, it, it's, it's funny to this day. I'll never forget. Somebody knocked twice, and the door just opened up. Well, I, I watched an interview with the sister that said she was on the phone, and somebody was talking to her about buying magazines. She felt like it was a distraction. So I don't know whether you guys called her and were, were keeping her distracted with the phone call with the magazines. She was just on the other side of the door because we could hear her uh-huh. talking. So when, some, when the, uh, the detective closest to the door knocked, it just opened right up. I'm like, when does that happen? Well, but I think she said, she even admits to say that somebody knocked on the door and she said, come in. Yeah. And that's when, but like, when we talk about tactics wise, um, you know, usually ESU is the one leading the pack. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You go into an apartment, if you're breaking, if you're taking the door, you're going to use the jaws of life or jaws of life is that thing, it's like a, tick, 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 boom, and the yeah. jaw just blows or they're going to, Use that big, I don't know what that, that, that cannon, the ram, the ram, the ram thing ram, is. Yeah. But you didn't have to do that. We didn't. And then not only that, but there was, there was detectives at, at the front instead of ESU guys. Well, you know, it, it was narrow. And, and you know, it, it just, that's just the way it worked out. But do you agree with the fact that the, the, the detectives were in the front or should they have been in the back? 
Um, you know, we, we obviously should have been the first ones through, uh, but that's that's not how it went. So we you had a picture of him, right? You knew what he looked like, yeah. right? Oh yeah, yeah. In so, fact, when the door opened, when the door opened up, I could see him sitting on the couch looking at us, uh-huh. and his eyes just wow, holy shit, what is that? Uh huh. And that's you know he. So they had right no there. idea what was going on outside. They didn't get a heads up. Basically, you caught him no. by surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when 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 the door opens up and you come in, you're right in the front, right? I was about the. How third many or people fourth. in? Three or four people I was in. About the third or fourth in. So it was uh, was your partner, um, Mary. You said yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Was she in front of you? Uh, probably right next to me. Right next yeah. to you, right? Yeah. And uh, what what kind of uh, what was the the gun that was in your hand at the time? Twelve gauge. Okay. In the smaller trucks, there were two shotguns on the racks. The big trucks got all the big stuff. So you coming in, you got your, the, the 12 gauge shotgun in your hand. Yeah, yeah. And um, you got and one then, of those ESU helmets on too? Yeah, yeah helmets and, and the person, the person that went in first was, you said the detective, right? One of the detectives went in first. Uh, I guess he saw him and, you know, just instinctively just bolted right in to try to get him. But <laughs> Davis jumps up to his feet and uh-huh. what does he do? He grabs his kid and holds him in front of him like a shield. Wow. And he starts backing down the hallway. Did that ever make it into the trial, that statement? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did? All righty. The jury realized what a stand-up Well, we're we're going to get to the jury in a little while. Let's save the jury part. Let's make this build up. Let's (laughs) marinate this. So now, uh, as you're coming in now, you're following behind, and you said you see Larry. He's sitting on the couch. And then at some point, he picks up a baby. There There was two... Two children in that apartment, plus his sister. I think his, was his mother in there too. Uh, no, not his mother. Two his sister. sister happened to be right in front of me, and I grabbed her and shoved her into the kitchen. And other guys were trying to keep her in there because she kept trying to pop out. Um, but again, you know, every please don't move and hands up and yelling at him. And, and at this time, everybody's coming in, right, and kind of sort of filing around the yes, other, trying to get in. Uh-huh. Very, very narrow hallway. So it's a narrow hallway. Once you guys got in, the other guys. So. He picks up this baby. What time does he pick, when does he pick up a gun? He picks the kid up. He starts backing up down this hallway. I guess it's about 10, 15 feet long. Uh, to a so nobody's room. shooting yet? No, no, no. To a rear bedroom. So I guess that's when he dropped the kid because I saw him, and I testified to this in court. I saw him pop his head out, and I could see his eyes like making like a mental image of where people were. And then all of a sudden, his head pops in, and the gun comes out, uh-huh. and he starts shooting. And that's when he uh, he got one of the detectives in the neck. He got married, uh, got her right in the face. Oh man! Um, you know, and and so when he shoot, he's not one of these shots from outside the door and getting lucky. He took, peeked out, took a mental image there, came back, and then I. I all I saw was sparks and, and smoke after that. Um, I, I don't think he popped his head back out again. He just let loose with the hand. Uh-huh. Yeah. What was so, he shooting with? What kind of gun? I believe that was forty-five. Yeah. Wow. So your, your partner gets shot right, right on the side of you? Right down. Mm-hmm. And so what did you do after that? Um, I let a couple go downrange just to make my way towards her. And it's funny, another thing I'll never forget, as I'm making my way towards her, I instinct, I'm, I'm actually raising my vest because it has the ballistic collar. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking if I get hit on the side or in the back, I, you know, at, at least I won't get one to the head. Right. And I'm doing that as I'm trying to pick her up. And I got her up to her feet, and the round had just entered just above through her lip. And she was bleeding uh, oh. pretty bad, and I could see her face. So I'm like, i got to get her out of here. So I just threw her arm around my shoulder and out the door, and I, I happened to know that Montefiore uh, Hospital was right, Bronx Lebanon, I'm sorry, hospital was right across the street. 
And how much time would you say elapsed by the time that you hit, you actually entered the apartment and the shooting started? Oh, not even a minute. So mm-hmm. let's say, so less than a minute, 35, 40 seconds in, yeah. the first shot's going yeah, off. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And then you, your partner gets shot right away. Right away. So you pick her and up. And I always joke that he shot her first because he knew he, she'd be the one to take him out. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, man. So she was a sniper. She now, did, the, uh, to... did her teeth help stop the round? Uh, maybe the angle at which the bullet came in, her, her teeth, uh, it, it embedded itself in her tongue. Thankfully, it didn't go through. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, down she went. And um, I, I think I pissed her off and taken her out of the fight because... She wanted you know, to she, stay in the fight. Nothing right? like getting shot in the face would have kept her out. But uh, she, was, she was pretty bad, so we had to get her out of there. So you, you, how far was Bronx Lemon on hospital from... Um, he was, what is he, at 2131, something like that, um, 12 9 Fulton. Fulton. Yeah, but yeah. no, um, Bronx Lebanon is right across the street. Wow, I mean, so you just literally. <laughs> 50 yards. You're smarter. You, you remember that too, in all yeah. this heat of the battle. Like, fuck, I'll just bring her right to the hospital. Yeah. I took her in, I, I kicked the door open. There were some women with their kids sick, and, uh, you know, just people. And I'm yelling at the top of my lungs, cop shot, cop shot, I need a doctor. And somebody uh, rolled a, a car, um, a stretcher over. And I. Put her down, and there happened to be a precinct cop there with, I guess, uh, a, a prisoner or something. And I told him, you stay with her. You don't move from here. So I put him on her, and I knew I had to get back to the fight. Uh-huh. And as I'm leaving the hospital, going back to the entrance of the building, our, our other guy, John O'Hara, took a direct blast, shotgun blast, right to the face. Wow. And he's walking out of the street. And so Larry him. Davis has more than a, that 40, 45 that you said, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, He's also got a shotgun. He had a shotgun in the apartment, yeah. And that was his shotgun? No, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't get not that from ours. you guys, right? No, not ours, no. So he, so he also was firing at you with a shotgun. And somebody which else gets thankfully, hit. Which, thankfully, he had loaded with birdshot. The tiny, teeny little pellets. Because yeah, yeah. if it was a uh, buckshot, yeah, that would have been fatal. All right. So uh, now, <laughs> think about this bravery, man. You could have very easily stayed with her over there. No. You know what I'm saying? And been on a harm's way at this point right now, especially after what you just witnessed. I he mean, wanted, he wanted to go back and help his team. <laughs> that yeah. was that's amazing. So that you that's, so you that's run- what anyone in and as you're done. running back there, I'm sh- now it's a full scale gunfight. So I'm sure it's like you're running into gunfire. Yeah, yeah. You, you, so, you should hear the you should hear the tapes. It's uh, yeah. So how uh, uh, how many other guns did he have? Did he had the shotgun and the 45. Did he have other guns too? I I, I think it was just the two. Okay. So, uh, so you run back in, and at this point right now, what, what, are, you, what are you coming into? Well, like I said, I, I'm, as I left the hospital, I'm in the middle of the street, and I see John O'Hara coming towards me. And he took a direct blast to the face. And, and again, I'll never forget, he, every time he would wince in pain, blood would squirt. Oh, my God. So I'm thinking, hit an artery. This is going to be bad. So I put his arm around my shoulder and took him to the emergency room, started screaming, and I put him down. And... Um, same precinct cop, doctors, medical people with them. Did you tell the precinct cop, now I want you to watch him. <laughs> Forget about her, this is triage. <laughs> the precinct cop probably has like 15, 20 years on, some handbag watching Why the fucking, get into, stuck yeah. him in there, right? He's calling the And there's this little kid with, a, with an ESU uniform on, and this baby face like, stay here, watch him. He's like, no, is that a boss? Who the fuck is he telling me? He's calling, the desk. Now. He's calling the desk for relief. I gotta go 63, I can't deal with this shit. So on the way back to, to running in that, before you get to there, there's another officer that's been shot, so you got to bring him back. Brought him back, put him in, um, 
took care of it. Now, precinct cops that had, and God bless them all, man, they were all lying in outside, you know, watching the building for us. They ran in to the hospital. So I knew they were well taken care uh-huh. of. Uh, so then I went back to the building, and there's about 15 steps up to get the first floor landing, and I can see the barrel of a shotgun laying from the top of the set. And I think it was one of our guys. It might have been John's, you know, as he was running uh-huh. out. So I, had, I grabbed two precinct cops, and I had them point down Rage, and I said, if he pops up, take care of business, because I'm going to get that gun before he does. So I tiptoed up the steps. I grabbed the rifle by it, slid it out, and quickly ran down the steps, and I handed it to one of the officers. And someone started yelling that he was in the back alley. So I ran to the around the back alley. There was like a six-foot wall that we had to uh, go over with the fence, and I fell on the other side of it. Uh-huh. And I stopped. I looked around, and it was dead. For all the, all the shit that was just going on, it was dead silent back there. And I waited to see if there was any movement, and there wasn't. What had happened was, as I understood later, he was in the lobby. As I'm running Mary to the hospital, he was shooting it out uh, with some of our other guys, and around apparently went right past him in front of the door that he was standing on, and it blew the lock out. So he looks back, and now he's just able to open the door. He went into the apartment. Down the window, out the back. And wow. He was gone. Wow. He was gone. Yeah. That guy talk about luck for that fucking guy, man. Oh. He was a bad, he was a bad boy, though. Huh? He was. Bad guy. He was a bad guy. Yeah. It was an interesting situation, to say the least, because he was a guy who had no fear. He actually became a folk or there in the Bronx. Now, you see, now that pisses me off. It I, does. If to I those, heard to that those shit people. once, I heard it a thousand times. This folk hero bullshit... He was a bad guy. Uh-huh. It had nothing to do with him being black. It had nothing to do with cops being on the take and, and, and trying to kill him. None of that shit. Uh, but was, there is a, there's a large percentage of the population there in the Bronx. And if you, if you have that mindset, you can go on YouTube and they'll have, they've created tons of video yeah, 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 yeah. supporting his version of the story, which yeah. we, obviously with well, law enforcement, we're going to go. The cops and, yeah. uh, yeah. Every, every yeah. major story has uh, two different sides and usually the other side is fucking bullshit. Um, obviously, you didn't go after him for any other reason except it was part of your assignment that day. He, he was wanted for a quadruple homicide. Right. I mean, what so now, now he, uh, you said that, that 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 door, the lock gets blown open, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, where does he go after that? You think? Went into the apartment, out of back window, jumps out, and down the stairs into the night. And he's into the night. Yeah. Now he's gone. Yeah. He escaped. Yeah. There was. 20 to 27 police officers there to take him into a custody. He was in an apartment with two children, two small children, a sister, and some other people. In, in, the, in their defense, in those officers' defense, the back of that building was a maze unlike anything, uh-huh. you know, I, that was, Which he knew. Which he knew very well. Yeah, which he knew. Yeah. He got, there's a lot of things that went in his favor, luck-wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he gets away. He did. He gets away. And now... When 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 is all, everything is said and done? There's six police officers that he shot. He did. Um, you helped two of them. Your partner and the other guy, John, that you said, yeah. got shot in the face as well. Yeah. And the other uh, the other officers that got shot. Do you the detectives. Um, one ran upstairs and and managed to lock himself in an apartment. Uh, the other two, I, I don't know how they got. Uh, taken out, um, but I know they were removed. Our sergeant, Sergeant uh, Col- Jim Coulter, got shot in the leg. They threw him in a radio car, shot him off to uh, Lincoln Hospital. Um, but, yeah. Did all the people that uh, got shot recover and come back to work, or they got all got off the job? Uh, 
Mary came back to work, got promoted a sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, the detectives, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know. What about, well, why, why did they take that one guy, the cop, was shot in the leg to, to Lincoln? They didn't like him? Was it too many, too many, uh, no, because if you have, if, if the one across the street has a triage, which you obviously dragged Mary there, um, why wouldn't you just be, unless they were overwhelmed by bodies at this point right yeah, now, I, but it's I, only six, really. I, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. All right, so, um, now, <laughs> how do you feel after this, man? Like, when it, when it, Larry Davis gets away, and you're all sitting there, and the, I guess the adrenaline's starting to come down a little bit. You're starting to get like a realization. The threat is gone. Well, how do you tell us about what you're going through emotionally? Well, as I'm sitting back there in that back alley, now he's gone. The threat, therefore, uh, is gone. I'm sitting there, and I, you know, I, I didn't realize that I actually like hurt my back and my leg a little bit when I fell off the wall. I didn't even realize it. So I'm standing there. I'm, about to, I'm trying to stand when I felt a hand pick me up and say, we got you, brother. And I look up, and there were these two plainclass street crime guys that just happened to respond when they heard. Uh-huh. And by the way, this was an, uh, an all-out emergency service, 1013. 1013 is the call for help. Everybody, the, uh, the, our dispatcher was yelling on the radio. Almost been a mobilization all also, right? available emergency service in New York City respond to this location. That's how bad it was. Wow. But, uh, yeah, he said, I, I got your brother, and uh, Barry Burns, great guy. And uh, he picked me he up. Was I was, the, he was the son of the PBA yes, vice president. Yes, yeah, I know yes, Barry yes. Burns. Yeah. And um, I was covered in blood from John Squirton and, and from Mary, and he thought I, I was hit too. So they took me off to an ambulance, and I'm fighting them. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't want to go because I still, you know, I didn't know that Davis was uh-huh. gone. Um, but they got me to the ambulance, took my best, and they took me off to, I ended up going to Jacoby Hospital. Because um, they liked you. That's they a good hospital. They liked me, yeah. <laughs> not Lincoln for me. And um, I'm laying there, and it, it, it dawned on me. John got shot in the face. Mary got It was a headshot to me. Mary got shot. The sergeant got shot. Holy shit. And here I am laying. Right. You know, first I started. And, I, and I, all I got is a, uh, a hurt my my, my ass back. because I can't jump over a fence. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's all not that far from the truth. Training. I was I was sitting there. Feeling all that like, training, I never thought of having to go over a fence. <laughs> I was sitting there feeling like shit because you know all these guys got shot and and I didn't. But you know, for whatever reason, and I always say this, for whatever reason, Davis and I were the only ones that didn't get hit. That's a psychological trauma people go through after an incident where uh, everybody seems to die around them or, or get hurt around them. Survivor, yeah, survivor's guilt, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting that you and Larry were the only ones that were the didn't get shot. Right. Uh, oh, well, listen, yeah. we got more to this story, but we ran out of time on this first episode. We're going to be back for part two, and we're going to learn some more about what happened with this interesting the Larry Davis uh, case and. Uh, with Rick Martinez here, who was there an ESU officer at the time. And this is fascinating. Anything you yeah, want to call with I just wanted to just add because uh, Rick is so consistent with all the great guests we have. And this is NYPD history. This yeah, is a this historical is case. Big time history. And you're getting it from, you know, someone that was involved in this case. And, you know, uh, that's uh, police off the cuff. That's, that's what we're it, bringing to this, you know. We're bringing to the table here. All right, we'll be back. Thank you.